The Cut. The Cut. The Cut. The Cut. The Cut. Before the pandemic, I went to the movies a lot. I don't mean just as an escape or a way to pass a rainy day. I mean, I spent six years studying film, and then I taught film as a professor for three years. Movie theaters, for me, were a lifeline. I'd go after work or late at night. I'd go for dinner or to force my friends to see a film I'd already seen twice so I could casually look at their reactions during very specific scenes. But obviously, being a film nerd has not been easy these days. This is day four of working from home. This was me on Friday, March 13th, 2020. My daffy friends went to go to the movies in the middle of the pandemic because, I don't know, masochists? I have this absolute panic about going to the movies with three of my friends. The world is quickly shutting down while I'm freaking out over a group text that says, hey, let's go to BAM at 4.15 to see First Cow. I don't want to go to the movies. I can't go to the movies. I'm sitting six feet away from everyone in there. They're going to be seating people at 50% capacity, which I guess is smart. Also, how clean is BAM? Like, as a rule, are they scrubbing those seats? There were only maybe six people in this large auditorium as we watched this sweet film about early settlers stealing milk from a cow. I didn't know that the very next day, the theater was going to announce it was closing until further notice. I didn't know it would be the last film I'd see in a theater for 15 months. But I did have this feeling like I was getting to say goodbye, you know, for the time being. Like two best friends going on separate journeys without each other, hoping to reunite someday and share their stories. A year and a half later, theaters are opening back up and I'm not so anxious about whether Bam's cleaning their seats. But after we've spent over a year apart, will my friendship with film ever be the same? When was the first time you went into a theater during the pandemic? It was a few weeks ago and I went to go see Free Guy with my boyfriend at this theater that is not too far from where we live. Cut producer Noor Buzidi recently went to her first movie back. It's one of those like fancy luxury theaters with like reclining seats. I forgot how like movie theater butter popcorn and how it tastes and how it's so special. And that's what Hollywood is banking on. Dazzling images on a huge silver screen. Sound that I can feel. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. With a recent ad from Nicole Kidman promoting AMC theaters, to Vin Diesel giving the hard sell for the latest Fast and Furious. For more than a hundred years, there's one place where we all came together to be entertained. The movies. With the film Dune debuting simultaneously in theaters and HBO Max this month, the director of the film, Denis Villeneuve, put it like this, quote, The enemy of cinema is the pandemic. I understand that the cinema industry is under tremendous pressure. Frankly, to watch Dune on a TV is like driving a speedboat in a bathtub. Unquote. Economic and accessibility issues aside, 
we're gradually seeing more fall trailers ending with the words exclusively in theaters. But even when it does feel special, when it's this respite from everything, there's still that looming fear. I was stuffing my face with popcorn and there was so much butter in this popcorn that I actually inhaled it. And I started coughing like crazy. (laughs) And it was the most obnoxious coughing fit. And I was so terrified that like people around me were going to think that I was like this idiot that got infected with COVID and then came to the movie theater because throughout the entire movie, I was just suppressing my coughs and choking and it was it was bad. So aside from that, it was a freaking lovely time. A freaking lovely time. That's all we've been waiting for, right? And actually, I'm gradually getting there, too. I think that the Green Knight was very special when we saw it, because who else was I going to, like, freak out about Dev Patel's clavicle bones? It just felt right. His beauty is beyond compare, like Jolene. The Cuts culture editor, Karenza Cadenas, has been my movie buddy throughout the pandemic. We get our Vax cards, IDs, and temperatures checked to sit in half-empty theaters across New York City, two seats apart, in our face masks, trying to gauge each other's reactions to a niche joke or Timothy Chalamet's butt in the French Dispatch. Body's sort of concave, but you know. <laughs> I just realized so much of that film was built around the police. It <laughs> really is, actually. Like, thinking about it, we need to, maybe we need to unpack that. But our visits to theaters allowed us to be more selective about what we saw. Parsing through the prestige, the silly, and the waste of times. Every film has become a decision of, if I cough on accident from inhaling too much popcorn and scare an entire theater full of traumatized patrons, would this movie be worth it? And over the past five months of pandemic moviegoing, there's only been one film that's made me go, absolutely. The French thriller, Titon. Oh my God, I can't wait to see it again. I mean, I think anyone who sees it should go in knowing literally nothing about it. I know for a lot of people it'll be difficult, but I've just seen nothing like it and it just feels so new and interesting. To process the film in a theater was the only way because so many things were happening and everyone was getting grossed out and shocked and confused at the same time. Directed by Julia DeCorno, Titon is an adrenaline-filled thriller centered around a young woman with a titanium plate in her head. It's this lush, violent, sexy, horrifying adventure that gained notice when it won the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival this past summer, making DeCorno the second woman to ever win the prize. I want to know everything that's happening in that woman's head. Yeah, that was like such a peak light. I really want to go see it again. It's violent and filled with body horror and really bizarre things. But there's also this sweet story at the center of it, like a found family. Yeah. It's a very queer movie. It's just so fascinating. Even beyond the sex and horror, what really got our attention was the boldness and the confidence of its star, newcomer Agathe Roussel. After the break, I talked to the star of Titon about her audacious debut. I could feel it was going to be very physical, and very challenging and demanding. I'm not interested in just, you know, walking by the sea and be whatever French bullshit. When I went to see Titon, 
I knew almost nothing about it. And I actually think it's better that way. So much better. So instead of giving you the full rundown, I'll just share a taste. Agit Roussel plays a dancer who is also a serial killer. At some point, she has sex with a car. It's incredibly odd, incredibly powerful, surprisingly touching. And the star, first-time actress Agit Roussel, is living her dream right now. To be honest, I'm still not over it, really. You know, like, being an actress was my dream job. So I did this movie, meaning, like, fulfilling my lifelong dream. Mm-hmm. And I still don't know how to process it. I didn't know I was going to fulfill that dream to that kind of level. I didn't know I was going to be in New York today, like, talking to you for the cut, having coffee in a hotel near Central Park. What the fuck? Agat was a photographer. Discovered through her photographs on Instagram, she was DM'd and asked to audition to play Alexia, a seductive dancer turned serial killer. When I was a photographer, I was really happy doing it and I was making a living out of it, published books and everything, but it was always something missing for me. And this first time being on set is the first time in my life ever that I felt complete because I was being seen. I would make my brain work. I would make my body freaking work, uh, making like the director happy. I would meet people. I would, ha- I would have teamwork, but also solo work. It was just like the perfect environment for me. So all of the things came together for you. I'm so grateful that I'm coming in this industry being 33 mm-hmm. and not 33. Amen. Yes. Honestly, I don't know how they do it. Like it's like 23 years old. You don't know who your friends are. You don't know like who you are. Your identity is all fucked up. Like you don't know anything. And, you know, people tell you what to do. You go places. You're just tired all the time. And you want to party. Like, but now I'm 33 and I'm like very grounded. I do my yoga every day. I know who my friends are. You know, I know what's good for me and what's bad for me. You know, like last night I knew I knew I had a Q&A at the end of the movie and I was jet lagged as fuck. So I just didn't drink at dinner. Uh-huh. Which I would have never done being 20 years old. Do you know what I mean? That's so interesting when you say that because coming in with the sense of self because of that, do you feel like when you came into that character, there is like a real confidence in like the intro shot where she's walking through and there is like internalized composure in who she is do you think that there's some kind of alignment with that yeah the sense of self and the sense of well this is who I am take it or leave it but Agat's view of her character is pretty drastically different from how she sees herself I can't relate much to this character to be honest yeah and that's a good thing because she's a psychopath let's not forget about that (laughs) that's a good thing she's a psychopath she's someone who has never been loved by her father as you can tell in the movie She's never been loved. She doesn't know how to love. She doesn't know intimacy. She is attracted to cars. (laughs) Like, attracted to cars. But throughout the course of what is an otherwise surreal and violent film, there's this unexpected thread of tenderness that runs through it. She is going to find, like, her own humanity, and she's going to, like, discover what it is to love and be loved and to feel protected and to protect someone. So she's not. Like, there's just, like, psychopathic, crazy killer. She's also a person, and she's just going through shit, just like all of us. Yeah. 
how do you prepare to play like a serial killing dancer who's in love with cars? Uh, I trained a lot uh, with a coach, with a dancer, with stunt people. And I also watched like a shit ton of things like interviews from Ed Kemper or Ted Bundy or Eileen Bernos. Uh, re 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 watched Monster. Uh, we need to talk about Kevin Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Like I, I love that. Oh my god, this is so scary. <laughs> <But> yes, <laughs> horrible. <laughs> but yes, so I watched like so many things, and I also watched like TED talks about psychopathy because this is your first film, and you're pushing yourself, and the film is so intense. Is there anything? that you did in the film that really pushed you out of your comfort zone? Everything kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Everything. Like, I was no dancer. No? So even though... Oh, no. So even though, like, doing this first scene where I danced on the car, I had a blast doing it. Even though we did it, like, 34 times and my legs <laughs> were dead after this, um, I had such a blast doing it because I was... There was, like, all of the extra extras like on set so I was literally doing a show in mm -hmm. front of many people and I enjoyed that so much of course like this sex scene with the car I was not going there like singing <laughs> I was just the director told me you know it's going to be a very small team on sets because you're going to be naked and faking having sex with a car so it's going to be like 10 people tops uh, on set with us And to be able to do it and to get through it, I was just taking a breath and be like, okay, this is just like when you were a kid and you were doing shows for your parents. Mm -hmm. This is fun. Don't forget that this is called to play. So let's play with it, even though it's freaking weird, even though it's embarrassing. <laughs> and that's what I did every time. I was like, oh, you're just gonna put up a little show, which is something I love doing. So I was just like, yes, this is gonna be a nice show today. With American audiences, there's been a lot of discussions about the film's sex and violence. But that's not what Agut is focused on. People have been saying, like, oh, this is very violent and horrible. That people go to the movies and are, like, very, you know, stressed out. But I feel like the, the film is more than that. It's not a horror movie. Like, if I'm able to watch it, mm -hmm. it means that it's not a horror movie. That's how you know. You mean you watch the whole film with your eyes wide open? Except for the um, nose-breaking thing. That's horrible. That's fair. What amazed me the most is that people have very different reactions and perceptions of what this movie means. Because they have their own projections and they have their own history. And it's like, I've noticed like in Paris, most of the people that stopped me in the street, they are kids between like 17 and 22 years old. The kind of like, you know, this kind of like nerdy crowd in high school. Yeah, I was one of those. Yes. I was you. I was you. They're very like blue hair and kind of like me, like this. And they're just mm -hmm. like, oh my God, I've seen Titan four times and I have a, a thousand questions for you. And it's like, it changed my life in so many ways. I feel like it freed those kids. And I feel, I also feel like identity wise, you know, when you're like 17, 20, you're just like, you don't know who you are, who you really want to have sex with. Like, what's mm -hmm. like, what's your deal? What you want to do later? Like, are you good enough? It's a very difficult, um, I mean, for me, it was like a very 
intense part of my life. And for them, it's the same. I'm so glad I, this kind of like nerdy high school crowd. Yeah. So into the movie. And every time I see this kind of people like in on a train or like in the street, I'm like, they're going to come. And they're always coming and they're like, oh my God, I'm so happy I'm seeing you. Like, I love the movie. I saw, I've seen it like six times. I'm like, oh my God, what the fuck? <laughs> like six times. I mean, it's the character is already iconic. Like I've already seen on Instagram, people are dressing like you, like they're prepared for, for Halloween already to no be way. you. For real? Yeah. Yes, I love that. This episode was produced by myself, along with Jasmine Aguilera and Noura Buzidi. Edited by the fabulous Kelly Prime. Executive produced by Hannah Rosen and Nishat Kurwa. Mixed by Alex Higgins. We are a product of New York Magazine. Subscribe today to support all their work at thecut.com slash subscribe. I'm B.A. Parker. Thanks for listening.